and welcome back to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast. My name is Chris Turner. I am your host, and I hope everybody is staying safe out there, uh, not sick. If you are sick, you know, staying indoors, or actually everybody's staying indoors, really, right? We're all supposed to be staying indoors at this point. Um, but I hope you're doing well. Uh, welcome back to another episode. Hopefully we can get at least 30 minutes of reprieve from the craziness or the, uh, the boredom, if nothing else, right? So uh, welcome back. And today it's actually going to be about kind of what you've been going through, I'm sure, as a, as a listener out there. Um, there's been a lot of solitude. I'm sure a lot of people have been going through, like myself, you know. Um, this is going to be, a, you know, a little bit of an antidote about my life. You know, I what's been weird for this about this coronavirus experience for me is it's almost like um, this is going to sound really weird, but like the world is mirroring the experience I had for the last six months. Um, I've, I've been in solitude kind of for the last six months, seven months since I left my other job at Amazon. Um, when I did leave that, you know, it's not just, you know, when you leave a job and many people understand this, it's not just, you know, you're not just leaving the job itself. You're, you're kind of leaving a lot of the social, the social structure as well too. And so, you know, being not, I do have family out here and stuff like that, but being that a lot of my social structure was, you know, at Amazon when I left, it ended up kind of isolating me. Uh, and, and that, sent me into some weird places, some dark places. Um, I was already in kind of a dark place when I left Amazon uh, and I had been going through some really tough things, you know, personal things. That job uh, stressed me to a, to a point where it caused me, it forced me to kind of grow and develop and it made me uncomfortable, kind of pointed out my flaws. And um, once I left the job, those flaws didn't go away. They were still there. And so what, what ended up happening is the solitude like magnified everything. And that's kind of why I want to focus on it right now, um, because through my experience, you know, uh, in 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 being alone, you know what I mean. Um, you know, it, it, on top of that, you know, I've, I'm one of those pr- people that is, has been more often single than not. You know what I mean. Uh, I find that people are usually one or the other. They're either the type of person that kind of jumps from one relationship to the next, or they're you're the kind of person that's kind of too independent to hold one for very long. Uh, and and. That's, you know, maybe I'm being a little too simplistic. I'm definitely being <laughs> overgeneralizing there, but that I kind of fit into the latter category where uh, I, I tend to be a little, I think a little bit more independent. I've also had some other issues, I think, that have kept me from holding down like, many serious long-term relationships or at least having more uh, time spent single than not. The reason I bring it up is because that combined with, like I said, the solitude that I was, you know, kind of putting myself, placing myself into after leaving my job, uh, created this environment where I was forced to focus to focus on the parts of me that were not working well. Uh, they were magnified. I think there's something to solitude. And I want to focus on that in this episode because I think we need to kind of uh, seize the opportunities that this unique experience is granting us because it doesn't happen very often that you have a, a time where the world pauses. I don't think it's ever happened. Uh, and it's it's almost like an impossibility that is happening now that we're kind of it's it's shaking people's foundations. They're like, oh shit, what else could happen? If you could pause the world, what else could happen? <laughs> you know. But anyway, I'm getting I digress, right? I talked about this a little bit in another episode. I don't remember when. It was a while back, but um, shamanic sh- shamanic culture, shamanic uh, shamanic cultures. Um, the shaman, the figure of the shaman, is usually associated with kind of a, they're like painted like a witch doctor or something like that, right? Like they, kind of a magic being. And that's at least the way we conceptualize them in the Western world. But uh, the role of 
the shaman in shamanic cultures, uh, from what I understand, is a lot different than the way we conceptualize it. I think it's interesting uh, in its relation to solitude because one of the traits that, one of the things that most shamanic cultures would do is the shaman himself in the in this you know you have to think of this as a community right you have these small communities tribal communities and one of the unique characteristics about the shaman is they tended to live away from the community so and it's a very important distinction they were not members of the community directly they didn't live with the community they lived off outside of the community it's also one of the reasons why shaman and kind of have always been portrayed as kind of this like woodsy uh little bit crazy kind of you know like magic kind of being because they're they're not part of the direct community so they have this kind of lore to them uh you know they're independent in a way that no other being can be and that grants them a certain amount of authority as well now the other interesting thing in that is because they are outside of the community, because they don't aren't a member of it, it allows them to judge the community. It allows them to view the community in a critical way, in a way, and, and to view it from an outside perspective, so that you can see how you know the, the intricacies at play, right? And I think that's part of what made the shaman the figure. Of wisdom because the shaman held a perspective other than the majority and it was through their solitude their isolation that they gained this perspective right this wisdom in a sense so there's something to the solitude practically right it, it, it we have used it practically uh, or it has been used practically as a tool to provide novel insight uh, into how to move culture along, how to grow societies. That's kind of the role of the shaman, I think, practically. More religiously or, or spiritually, I think there's a there's a something that happens when you isolate yourself. Um, and I think, I'm trying to dissect it a little bit here because I think what it is, is uh, we've talked about the ego and we've talked about the game that you play. Like the life, in a sense, is a game. When you're playing that ego game, or when you think you are your ego, you're playing this game without knowing it. And what that game consists of is you presenting an image of your conception of what you are. you presenting that to other people. you watching how those people respond to that image, intaking that other information and and kind of reincorporating it. So you're, you have this thing that's constantly morphing based on what people, the inputs that people give you and what you put out in the world, right? It's this kind of, it's this, 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 this game of, of, of back and forth. And one thing that happens, and most people, I think most people in the world think that they are their ego. They think that they are this conception, this image. Uh, and what happens when you isolate yourself is there's nobody to bounce the image off of anymore. It's been well documented, actually. One of the the fastest way it's a, it's a it's a torture technique that's been utilized throughout history. But it's the easiest way to one of the worst, most cruel things you can do to a human being is to isolate them, because within days they're going to start to lose their mind. Uh, it, it, it's it, as at least in relation to the community, what saint what is considered sane, they will start to appear crazy. Right. And, and the reason for that is because this game, I think, starts to break down. 
the ego itself starts to break down because there's nothing to bounce it off of. So what ends up happening is, and this is, I think what kind of started to happen to for me because I was, you know, kind of isolated and self-isolated is, is you start to have this weird, uh, that thing starts to feel like it's not you. It's like the ego has to be maintained in a way. It has to it has to be reincorporated over and over again. It's partially why, you know, you're constantly reaffirming it with people and bouncing the image back off. It has to be reaffirmed. And when it's I I think, I mean I'm, I'm like I said I'm playing with these ideas. And what I think happens is when you stop and you get away from people and you can't bounce that image off anymore, you start to lose a picture of it. It's kind of like a like you know how when you haven't seen somebody in a really long time and you haven't seen a picture or anything of them, you can still picture them, but the details aren't there. Like you try to think of their their face, but the image is kind of blurry and distorted and you don't really have a, a good resolution. I think that's what starts to happen to your ego when you get away from people is it starts to fade like that. You start to get a lower and lower resolution and it keeps fading. Like it just keeps fading because there's no reason to maintain it too. There's a certain point that you reach where like you realize you're forced to realize that you aren't that thing because it fades slowly and then you realize you're still here. And so what is you then, right? You you know what I mean? And I think the reason I brought it up in the context of the shaman is I think this is an experience that certain individuals throughout history were forced to go through so that they could have the perspective, the outside perspective that most in the community didn't, right? Right? Uh, and it's, it is precisely the role of the shaman, I think, to provide the insight necessary to drive the culture and society forward. This is the role that we have deleted, right, from our from our from our or from our culture, our modern culture. And I think it's it's kind of the role of the modern philosopher is kind of the equivalent of the shaman in our culture. The thing that needs to be revitalized. It's a modern philosophy, right? That that needs to, uh, the modern philosopher that needs to come back. But it's not only that it needs to come back, but we need to we need we need to have a a you need to have a fascination with the philosopher like you have a fascination with the Tom Brady of the world. Right? You need to have a fascination with the philosopher like you have a fascination with with you know the Julia Roberts or the Brad Pitts or whatever, you know, like the the, the famous people. We that and it's not for the fame. It's it's because what you do when you what you idolize when you idolize something, you set up a hierarchy, and in that you also set up a value equation, saying that these things are more valuable than the other. Well, when your value equation at the top of your value equation, or I mean your hierarchy at the top of your hierarchy, sits only the superficial, it kind of defines what has to fall under it, and. I think when you have a hierarchy that way, there's no way that the th- things like the arts and the philosophies that are more subtle uh, can can compete with these superficial kind of things. You know, and I don't mean to me- attack those people that I named. I'm just pulling names out of my butt, right? But um, I hope you understand or, tra- or tracking with what I'm saying here. So I think that there's this this. Uh, it's hierarchy that can be established, and I think that's what we've done. And because of that, we've devalued the things like the arts and the and the not necessarily the sciences, but the philosophies. And and I, I want to attach that to the shaman because I think that that's kind of the role. The it's the modern that would be what the modern shaman would be it would be a philosopher, I think, of sorts. 
And I think there's something to the isolation in the in the, the role of the shaman. The reason that the shaman has gleans the wisdom is because they isolate themselves. They learn, or there's this ego dissolution that takes place, and then they're able to view the world with, you know, uh, with the blinders off. You know what I mean? But also what comes with that is they also start to appear a little crazy, a little kooky, right? Because they don't do the things that uh, that normal people would do in the community, right? They don't stop themselves when they, you, there's something that you usually wouldn't say, right? And it's not because they don't like they're trying to offend people or something like that. They're doing that because they literally don't have a conception of not to. It's like, what do you mean? Because they don't have the ego game to play anymore, right? That that gets deleted or at least brought to a level where you, you don't really, you don't play it anymore. And and so the shaman, I think, the reason they look goofy and kooky and they do weird shit and all that kind of stuff is because they don't have the ego there. They're, they are just the unfiltered thing, being. They are the unfiltered human. And, and, and the reason that they're idolized, the reason that they're held at a high regard, I think, in the community is because they not only provide the wisdom and the perspective necessary to push the culture forward, but because they're also kind of brave enough to go into the worldliness by themselves and to kind of show the aversion of the unfiltered human that most people aren't willing to see or willing to actually unleash because it's a very scary thing to unfilter yourself, right? I know that's quite a bit that I'm going on right now. Um, But I'm just fascinated by this idea. And I think it's a really cool thing that you can test with yourself right now while you're isolated. You don't have a choice, right? You're going to be isolated. You know, many of you may have, you know, one of the, one of the hard things is a lot of people surround themselves with people because they don't want to ever be alone. And a lot of people like are surrounded by people regardless. Like a lot of people, I think, want to be alone sometimes, but they can't find the solitude because they just have people around them. They have really large families maybe, or, or, you know, maybe you are married and you have kids and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's a certain amount of solitude that you just can't have, you know, you're already in a hierarchy, you know, you're already solidified in that kind of, in the community and, and, and you have responsibilities and things you have to take care of. So you can't kind of delete yourself or, or achieve the solitude that was necessary. And that is a difficult thing. I think that's one of the hard parts about um, life in general is there are certain, you know, there's certain paths that you can go down where it makes it very difficult to choose another one, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? It's like, and and, um, I think that that's partially why there wasn't very many shaman, right? Is it's one, it's not a very attractive path because you have to be alone and it's not fun, right? And, 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 you have to give, you'd have to give up things. I mean, the shaman is usually a single person. You usually don't have anybody that wants to be with them, <laughs> right? Because they can't provide. They usually live a very simple life in the woods, basically just the bare necessities kind of a thing, you know, similar to like a monk or something like that. You know, you see these, these trends pop up in the, in the religious or the, the spiritual figure. Uh, and so, and there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, you know what I'm saying? is like, if you're in, if you were one of those people that you already are in, you have your life rolling, you know, you already are in, like I said, set up in this community and you have this role that you play and you don't see any way that you couldn't play that role or could, could get the solitude long enough to see that that is just that a role. Um, I think what you can do is just, is, is 
like I use the other tools that we've talked about, you know, use, try to, you know, track your fears, you know, the day to day routines, the thing that to try to try to speak truths, try to stop yourself when you're saying things that are untrue, those kind of things. Those are all, there's different ways I think to gain the same kind of wisdom. It's just, you don't have to isolate yourself completely to do it. It's just, that is, I think the most direct way to show and make this like experience the most obvious that, that you are not your ego. You know, it's the easiest path to it and not the easiest. It's actually the hardest path to it. But it's the most direct way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is, but it's, I think, the hardest It's because it's painful. And it's actually dangerous because you're playing with your mental health when you're doing this kind of stuff. And I'm not recommending that anybody try to self-isolate, if, especially if you're not in a good spot, right, a good place. You don't have people that you can lean on because it's an extremely, extremely hard thing to do. And you do start to go crazy pretty quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it, you, start to, you start to lose track of who you are, what you are. What's right and wrong, all this kind of stuff. Everything starts to become mush. It's also what reveals to you that most of the world is mush. Like most of it is like this illusion. You know what I mean? It becomes blatantly obvious, including your idea of you. That's also an illusion. You know? And you can test that really. But if you are, so that for, that's, like I said, that's for the people that are already kind of in their life. They don't have the ability to kind of completely isolate themselves or, or seize the solitude. But if you're one of the people like me where you're single and you just lost your jobs or whatever like that and you're sitting at home and you really are like alone. Oh man, I know what you're going through. I've been there and it is hard. It's one of the hardest things you can do, I think, is to be alone. Lonely is a bad feeling. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's always darkest before the dawn. You have to go down before you can go up. All of these things are true. When you're isolated, when you're alone, seize that moment and try to try to like watch these things we've talked about, watch these ideas we've played with. Try to see what your conception of you is and play with that. Prod it a little bit. You know what I mean? See if it shrinks. Watch it shrink because I know it will. Like I said, it has to be maintained. Your ego has to be maintained. There's nobody to bounce it off of. Like your conception of you just shrinks. And all that's left eventually is just you. The unfiltered, unfettered you. Uh, Now, I think there's a lot of things that happen in that process. The process of that ego disillusion, the ego dying. One of the things that's that's interesting, I think, in... um, and I'm not here. I, I gotta clarify something here. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say that I have dissolved my ego and that I'm some fucking shaman, right? <laughs> like, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I still have a massive ego, and I have to battle it every single day. Everybody does, right? Um, it, it, it's 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 a it's a, it's a hard thing to. I don't think I don't know if you can completely delete it, right? It's this constant struggle back and forth where you you kind of get tricked into playing the game for a while and then you pull yourself back and you, it's this back and forth, right? But the reason I'm talking about it in these terms is because you can get to a point where you see that as that and you you watch the ego and you have more of a control over it, you know what I mean? You know what it is. And that's what I think I'm trying to describe here and because I think it's an invaluable experience that can help people out. You know, and also make your your life better and like make you more happy because it's made me happier person. Like, like I, you know, and more satisfied, you know, and, and satisfied in the solitude as well. Like I feel comfortable. I think if you can get to a place where you're comfortable in solitude, you don't have much to fear. You know, like the world's a dangerous place, right? For sure. And there's a lot of things out there that can hurt you. And those are those are kind of inbuilt fears we're gonna always have. But save that, man. I think people's the thing that people fear the most is being alone. 
because of this. And if you can conquer that fear, the fear of being alone, man, there's not much else. I mean, I think it grants you a lot of power, internal strength, you know, and I was watching this movie the other night. I think it's called Papillon. Uh, it's a pretty good movie, actually. It was on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it was based on a true story, but it was about... Um, it was about prisoners in French uh, Guyana, I think, in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Uh, and it was kind of eye-opening to see kind of just, you know, how, how brutal some of those prisons could be, but... Uh, one of the parts of that movie, a big part of that movie is uh, one of the main characters gets thrown into isolation. And it's not just like isolation like you've seen in the movies where, you know, you go into, you know, the hole or whatever it is and you're there for a week. No, this is two years, three years in a cell, you know, like what, eight by ten or something like that uh, with no talking where you can't even speak for years. You have a concrete walls. Right now, the funny thing is, it's not, this isn't funny, but the weird thing is, is a lot of people will actually die if you isolate them like that. Like, um, there's a weird connection between your mental and your physical health. And if you get, you can get people to a place mentally where it affects their health physically. And can act, they can actually die from it. A lot of people die from isolation. Uh, the, the man in question didn't. He, did, he ended up doing two years in, for one term and three years in another. So he did five years of isolation completely uh, by himself. One, for six months of that, he was also in complete darkness. So they took away his... And he had literally no stimulus. Can you, I mean, think about that for a second. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like sitting in a, sitting in a dark place, no idea or, or relation way to, to know what time it is, how long it's been, anything like that. You can see how quickly you would start to lose grip of reality on reality and what you are and what you, what you think you are, all this kind of stuff, right? Nobody wants to go through that kind of isolation. Nobody should have to go through that kind of isolation. It's kind of a cruel and unusual way to experience life, I think. But it's also, there's something true in that kind of experience. It's the ultimate form of this kind of isolation I'm talking about. And maybe it's this. I'm going to, this is, again, I'm just going to postulate this. I'm playing with the idea, but... Maybe it's that when isolated, you are forced to watch, confront what you are. That's, let's say that. When, you, when isolated, when a human being is isolated, it is forced to confront what it is. Because the distractions of the world, the games that stretch out from the individual, uh, go away. And so there, everything is dissolved down to the basic game, this ego game. But there's nobody to play it with. And so, like I said, the ego starts to shrink. It starts to... And as it does, it comes out in really nasty ways. It, like, 
makes you angry and jealous and maniacal and all these other kind of things. It's like something dying. Like, like scraping inside of you and dying, you know what I mean? It's, it's weird. And, and and then and then you I, I think I think you have a choice to separate from that ego. Boom. Like this, and 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 either either your consciousness separates, and the ego is 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 finally revealed for what it is, an imaginary thing, and the real you comes alive, kind of like a birth moment, or you stay attached as one, as this ego amalgamation, and if you stay attached, you die. Because like these people in extreme isolation actually die. Some do and some don't. What's the difference? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's whether you make that transition. Whether you're able to separate out the ego from the actual individual. The real you. The soul. The self. The deep down true thing. If you can't separate that out, the death of the ego kills you as well. It's like you're still tapped into the Matrix or something, right? Like in the movie The Matrix, when you're tapped into the Matrix, if you're in there, if you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. Well, like, what if the ego is the Matrix kind of a thing, right? If you're still tapped into it, when it dies, you die. But if you can separate yourself, the real you out from that ego, and get it off of you in a sense, and then watch it, like I said, it's never going to completely die, but it'll still be there, a thing, but it's going to be something you watch and you're separate from, you know? Then... As it starts to shrink, you grow. You 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 re, you remain constant. I don't know. I know it's a little out there, but that's something that I I think it's an interesting idea to play with, right? And one of the other weird things that I would say, kind of wrapping this up, we're about twenty five minutes in, twenty six minutes in, is um, the other thing you'll find. I think the more solitude you embrace, the more solitude you desire you lose patience for people very quickly (laughs) like you will you will lose patience for that game the ego game right once you've been alone for long enough you you start to appreciate certain things i think because you're able to really figure out what you appreciate and then when you go back out into the world and you do encounter other egos running around it like you it, it's very it's much more transparent and it's also much more frustrating because you 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 kind of can see people playing the game without them knowing they're playing the game but you can't talk about the game because in order to talk about the game you'd have to go through what 22 episodes <laughs> worth worth of discussion to explain or set up the premise for what I'm talking about here you know what i mean so you just wander and and watch but you start to like that solitude. You start to embrace it a little bit. And I think that's where maybe the best you, the real you, the thing that, that, uh, that the unfiltered you comes through the, the, the clearest. And that's where you produce the most value, I think, too. It's the other thing I've been trying to do and figure out through this, this journey of this podcast is how do you, what, what is the formula for making s- something intrinsically valuable? What is that formula? How do you make things that are actually valuable, that are objectively valuable? 
regardless of who's looking at that, they can see that that is a valuable thing. How do you make that? What is that? And I think what I'm coming to is truth. It's like when you're playing the ego game, you can't bear truth. It's like you, you don't want to look at it. There's some, maybe there's some truths that you do, the ones that like kind of reinforce your idea of what you are, but there's other ones you don't even want to look at because they'll start to tear down what you are. And so when you play the ego game for long enough, you start to get used to running away from certain truths. The problem is, is that's also what, where the value lies. Because the truths that you haven't discovered yet, the truths that you don't want to admit are the truths that are hiding the value that you haven't discovered yet as well. It's the things that will make you grow. And I think that in order to make something valuable, really valuable, objectively valuable, the things that actually move the humanity, the human race forward, you've got to be able to look at, acknowledge, and be a megaphone for truth. We need more of that in this world. That's what we need more of. Truth. No more confusion, right? No more of this, you know, this game playing. It's, it's getting old. It's old, you know? We're better than that. We're intelligent, advanced beings that do not need to be playing these primitive games that we've been playing for millennia, you know? It's time for us to grow past that. When I was talking my other podcast, the Beer Goggles podcast, we did uh, one of our last episodes before we stopped doing that was a uh, the New Year's episode, the 2020 New Year's episode. And for me, 2020, when we transitioned to 2020, it was a big change. I felt it. Like I could feel this change. I don't know if any of you guys felt it, but there's this like, it was a significant, not only like obviously the turning of a decade, so significant in that way, but also like significant in a deeper way like the way, way I could describe it is I felt 2020 as the beginning a beginning and an ending a death time I think 2020 is the beginning of the end of the old world and the beginning of a new more advanced more streamlined version of humanity It's unfortunate that I think that had to be spurred or kicked off by something like a virus. But assuming that nobody tampered with the thing or whatever, and assuming that it is biological in nature, we don't like to think about this, but it is also natural. It's more natural than the apples you buy in the store because a lot of those are genetically modified, you know? Maybe a disease of this magnitude shocking the economic and political systems around the world is an actual reaction 
by nature itself. An inbuilt protection mechanism to shake this organic thing on its surface, on the Earth's surface, awake. The thing we call human beings. Hey, wake up. Time to wake up kind of a thing. You know what I mean? That's what I felt 2020 was about. It's the ending of an old and the beginning of a new, the ushering in of a new. It is death encompassed. That's what I felt. It is, it is, it is the definition of death, 2020. With the positives too that I've talked about, right? So Because I do think we're on the precipice of something crazy here. Like our, te- we, we, we've, like I said, our, our, te- the technology is increasing at an exponential rate. I, I, we, you know, you hear talk about this, uh, uh, the singularity, right? This, this point where artificial intelligence, technology, reach a, reach a level where they kind of self-propagate and self-improve uh, to where humanity is no longer necessary as a mechanism for production and evolution. We may have already reached or are close to reaching a point like that. You know, you see Google and these other companies talking about things like artificial intelligence and supercomputing. Well, if if you mix those two things together, the raw computational power of what theoretical, you know, quantum computing could give us and artificial intelligence, what you have is essentially a god. Something all-knowing, all-intelligent, essentially. Essentially. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, at least relative to the human mind. So we're getting very close to this 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 time where everything is going to be foundationally changed. And I'm wondering if the coronavirus is just the very start of that transition. That you could feel this reverberating around the turn of the year, the 2020, and that what this is is the start of that. You know. You also had all the, you know, some political craziness at the beginning of the year right after the, the turn of the year. And then you go into this coronavirus and an event that I don't think we've ever seen on a, on a national, on a global scale. And what I'm curious about is what happens next. The value in it is I, I don't think this is like a doomsday thing. I'm not saying like a, like a 2020 death day kind of thing is as like it, the world is ending. No, I'm saying it is like we are transitioning into something new, something bigger, something better, something more real something true more true to what we really are what this what this game is or what this game but what this whole thing is about and in order to move to that next step though we have to put down the games we've been playing the ancient games one of those being the ego the main game we play being that ego game the game that every religion throughout history has been trying to solve trying to get people to stop playing <laughs> you know what i mean maybe we can finally get that solved you know i'll leave you with this i've always found it fascinating to watch like when you find like ants or an ant pile or something like that to watch ants like uh, form the lines and you know, kind of go pick up leaves and things like that. It's crazy to watch kind of the intricacy of an ant population or colony, right? And you always have this question of like, how do they communicate? You know, like if you had to imagine yourself as an ant, they're obviously not speaking. 
or in some very primitive form of speech or communication, but there's some kind of communication happening. It could be some kind of chemical communication, you know, biological chemical communication. I don't know. But in trying to imagine what the experience of being an ant living in a colony and communicating with other ants would feel like, I feel like it would be something akin to a natural drive. The things you're naturally pulled towards is the things that you go do. That's how you'd get those ants to move. You know what I mean? Whether it's chemically or biologically driven or whatever, you'd communicate by getting them to feel pulled towards things. And I think that's how ants communicate in some way. You know what I mean? Is 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 this it, the way it's experienced? Is in this feeling of pull. I don't. You know, it's not like speech. I like, go do this or go do that. There's obviously the queen ant isn't sitting there saying like, "Oh, we need more rocks on this side." You know, it's like this innate pull is felt inside. And I'm wondering if what we're doing is turning that back on in human beings. If that's not something exists in like ant populations but also has existed in human beings for who knows how long and maybe some of these other more spiritual kind of experiences are remnants of that ability to communicate uh, and are waiting to be turned on you know I know I'm really talking out there right now but why not man why couldn't that be like, why couldn't we have some ancient system that is, is waiting to be reactivated, you know? Imagine a combination, the human being, a combination of both all of the best things of spirituality and the, its ability to communicate, right, meaning, and all of the best things of science and the modern world and our ability to understand the mechanisms that make this thing tick. Imagine combining all of that together the being that you would have. You're a lot closer to understanding what this is. And I think that's the w partially how we get there is, is by doing this little work, this little work, seizing the opportunities that the universe is granting us in this really odd time, <laughs> uh, seizing that isolation and seeing where it takes you. You know, being the hero, going and Seeking out the dragon, right? Fighting that sucker in its lair on your terms. No better time than the present, right? Seize the day. And with that, I'm a little over time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unfounded Podcast. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Redundancy. Sorry, I know. Um, but I hope you have a good rest of your week. I should be back here in a couple of days, if uh, not sooner. And uh, stay safe out there, guys. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.